0: we've got we've got uh we've got a situation happening in the earth and it's always happening and uh, man uh, or religious minded men or men this is Paul Paul makes a distinction between two kinds of people uh, people of uh, Christians Christians who have the mindset of the flesh or the Christians who have the mindset of the spirit and a mindset of on the spirit or a mindset of the spirit is able to perceive spiritual things. They're able to be taught directly by the Lord. These are people that take initiative and these are people that do things and get things done. People who are on the mindset of the flesh are always waiting for someone else to do things uh, because mostly, probably because uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't understand what they're supposed to do because they cannot perceive spiritual things. Paul and James both write about this. You can go study it, look it up. Uh, But also uh, because they are unable to walk in the things of the Spirit. And it is very intimidating and not to mention frustrating if you are someone who has a desire to serve the Lord, but you have a mindset on the flesh which disempowers you uh, to walk in the ability that the Spirit gives us. And this ability is, of course, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. But this ability is also the ability to take initiative, to take responsibility, to take responsibility, and to step out when no one else is stepping out, to take responsibility, to organize things, to see that things get done. And that's what Fidel demonstrated uh, in our conference that we had in India. Uh, we didn't have it in any church we had it on the fourth store of in the a huge conference room of some bill building down there and uh people were saying to me hey this was a real this was very um uh this is kind of a big deal that we didn't do it in a church we went outside the church to have it so you know how did how did Fidel do that' Cause he he had the mindset of the spirit and took initiative to see that something got done what I'm sure that there was times when he was questioning or not sure what to do or where to go or you know where to have it or even what it should look like or how do we do this but we got it done (laughs) we got it done and people got uh, big breakthroughs and we established a connection uh, between us for the sake of the kingdom Uh, but there's there's a problem in the earth that we've got to solve so uh, although we have made great strides together Although we have um, seen, uh, maybe even done things that we've not done before, seen things that we've not seen before uh, in our connection together and in India, um, there's a problem that's waiting to be resolved in the earth with very few people who understand how to resolve it and fewer or less that um, that are uh, actually going to walk in its resolution. So, what is this problem? Uh, I was going to pull up Romans 8 here. Uh, This is the problem, and then we're going to talk about the solution. Because my job, uh, according to Ephesians 4.11, the Apostle, Prophet, Pastor, Teacher, Evangelist, is to equip you so that you can mature into the measures of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, which is what we're getting ready to read here, um, so that you can do your own works of ministry so that you can build up other believers so that you can make disciples. So I am not called and nor are you called to just simply teach the bible. That's not what Jesus did at all. Did he did he go around preparing sermons and you know writing long elaborate sermons and then he was like looking for a place to preach. That's not it at all. He simply walked in the uh, as a son of God and he Everyone he touched was healed. Everyone he commanded to get up from the dead was raised. He never failed. And that's the glorious thing about this is that he never failed, and he set it up so that we would never have to fail either. But he was the uh, he was a full grown son. He he didn't he didn't live for ten or fifteen or twenty or thirty years or more with a uh, sin nature. He you know. He didn't have to get born again because he was he was never sin, right? We have to be reborn of the Spirit, reborn according to righteousness because we came out of the line of the first Adam who just passes down sin and death to every single person in his race. Uh, through the sin of one man, death entered the world and we are inheritors of death in the in the line of the first Adam. But when you are reborn of the Spirit or born again, you become an inheritor of righteousness, an inheritor of life and death, and all of its effects are cut off of you, including sin. So you, if nobody's ever told you this, this is a very religious thing that people seem to bring up, you have the power to never sin, okay? If you do sin, He is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, but you don't have to. This means that you can walk as sinlessly as Jesus Christ because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. If we are in Him and He is in in us, then the fullness of God that dwelt in Christ also dwells in us. These are all foundational things that we have to understand and we have to get in our mind Right? We have to think the, according to the truth, uh, not according to tradition and things that other people have said around us and kind of just common perceptions about God and common perceptions about Jesus. You have to take the responsibility <clears throat> to read the Word of God for yourself um, and, uh, and eat the truth that is in it. Meditate on the truth that is in it, allowing it to change you. So, this problem that we have is not that we are not getting people born again, although we want to get everyone born again. The problem that we're having is not that we want to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of God, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. Uh, we want to see more of that. We need to see more of that. And and some are doing it. Okay, So, that's not the problem either, although we want more of that. The problem is going from where you're at to where Jesus is because the Bible says that we were predestined to be conformed into his likeness. And we all have this gap between where we are right now and Christ. So it's important to understand how the gap (laughs) works. First of all, there's a difference between positional truth and truth in experience. I can believe that the Word of God is true when it says those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay? That is a positional truth. That is set in stone. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven, it says in the Psalms. So if the Bible says it, that means God spoke it and it is truth and it will never pass away. Um, But... Whether or not you experience the reality of laying hands on the sick and they shall recover is a totally different scenario, okay? So, we can have a truth declared in the Bible, but we can also have an experience that doesn't match the truth. Does that make sense to everybody? We can have an experience that doesn't match what the Bible says. Now, a spiritual person will take their experience and submit it to the truth, And repent and move closer and closer and closer uh, to the likeness of Jesus Christ, right? A person who has a mindset of the flesh or a non-spiritual person is going to take their experience and exalt it above the truth and change the truth. And this is called the traditions of men and doctrines of demons. So, Uh, To illustrate that, a truth that an unspiritual man or person would come up with to exalt it above the truth would be that, well, God only heals some people some of the time. Why are they saying that? Because they had a bad experience where they laid hands on the sick, even though the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they will recover, they laid hands on the sick and the person died, okay? Okay. So, instead of changing the word of God, instead of saying, well, you know, we read that, but that's not really our experience. So, uh, the Bible must be wrong, or that, that truth must have been only for the early church. You know, God only meant that to be for the early church. And, you know, all these things that we have to deal with, and in, in America, we started calling these sacred cows, um, you know, We were driving around India and I said, Fidel, why are all the cows on the road? He says they worship them, no? And so, you know, people could be eating beef and steak and all that over there in India. But these cows are uh, set apart for religious use only. And so they're of no use to anybody. They're just getting in the way. And that's what a religious tradition is or a sacred cow. Um, It just gets in people's way. It just gets in the way of truth being manifested. It just gets in the way of Jesus Christ being manifested. So where, how do we begin to go from where we are to where Jesus is? You know, we lay hands on the sick and some of them recover. How do we get to where Jesus was? He laid hands on the sick and they all recovered. First of all, you have to acknowledge that it's the will of God for you to be made like this. In fact, uh, many places in the Word of God declare that uh, we have been given everything that we need to walk like Jesus. Um, Colossians 2.10 is one I always mention because it says it so clearly. It says, You have been made complete in Him, in Jesus. So if you have been made complete in Christ... Uh, There's no missing elements on God's part. And that is uh, called what it means to be a son of God. There's nothing dysfunctional. There's nothing missing uh, concerning what God has done for you. What is missing is your end of the bargain or or your part in this plan. Uh, There's a scripture in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, that says that the natural comes first. And then the spiritual. The natural comes first. And then the spiritual. And people are always trying to turn this around uh, by crying out to God for some spiritual thing to happen first. But the natural always comes first. Um, You know, for example, in order for me to come to India, um, (coughs) Fidel reached out to me (coughs) and invited me to come. And then spiritual things happened. In order, all those people that got touched and healed and set free during the conference over there, uh, we had to organize, or Fidel had to organize in the natural, a meeting, a place, a time, a vision, uh, and, and then get the word out. That was all natural things, but what was, what was the result of the natural efforts? Spiritual Uh, Activity, spiritual fruit, spiritual breakthrough in people's lives and their hearts and their minds and their bodies. So let's talk uh, real quick today about how to close the gap because this is the problem. This is where I started in the beginning of this. This is the problem. Not that we can't get some healings. Not that we can't get some dead raisings. Not that we can't get some deliverance. Because it says in Romans chapter 8 that... Uh, in verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, and uh, this these sons that creation is waiting for um, have are are still uh, for for the most part not being revealed. Why is this? Because creation is not longing the whole world is not longing for the revelation of uh, the revealing or the manifestation of a son of God who sometimes can heal people <laughs> come on I mean when when Jesus was born there if you study history and and things that writings that were occurring down that time when Jesus was born the the uh there was a there was an excitement about the Messiah coming, right? There was just a a constant chatter. You know, we really feel like it's close. We really feel like the Messiah could show up. But how? And how did the Messiah manifest himself? He manifested himself not as God, but he he stripped away everything that made him God. Although he was a man, he was a sinless man from heaven. He was the he was a man of heaven. Uh, that's why the Bible calls him the Last Adam, because he didn't come from uh, anything. Uh, of the first adam he came from a different source which is his father so when jesus manifested he is the pattern and he is the uh uh the order that we are attain to attain to he is the image of, that we are atta- to attain to and we we have even been the bible says predestined to be conformed to his image okay so um so jesus didn't manifest as you know, sometimes he did, he was able to heal somebody. Sometimes uh, he didn't. You know, he, he was always successful. He was successful in everything he did. And one time it tells a story that he uh, had to pray for a man twice who was uh, blind or couldn't see well, but he was still successful. Okay? That is the son. That is the kind of son that creation is longing for. And so the world is literally waiting for those kinds of sons to come on the scene. For the sons that heal everyone they touch. For the sons that can raise the dead. For the sons that bring mass deliverance. Um, And this, I mean, (laughs) this is, if you've never thought of these things before, you're going to test your mind. You're going to test, I'm going to test your ability to believe here. It's one thing to believe in Jesus, it's an entirely another thing to follow Him. And this is what I'm talking about, following Him. Following Jesus is closing this gap where we become just like Him. And so, uh, we have been made complete in Him, Colossians 2.10, which means that we have already received everything necessary to close the gap, to become a mature son, to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And what's more, it's in here. This is my, one of my Bibles. This is It's in here. What are the secrets uh, that we need to know to mature into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and to the ability of Jesus Christ so that we can take response ability uh, for manifesting Jesus Christ to the world? And when we do, by the way, it's going to change everything. Could you imagine... A doctor, a medical doctor, who comes up with a cure for cancer. The cure uh, is complete, instant, no side effects. Can you imagine what the world's response would be to that man's breakthrough? And I'm just talking about a scientific breakthrough. Every single person he administers a shot to is completely healed instantly, and they go about their life uh, completely set free of cancer, all right? there would be two groups of people. (laughs) There would be people that are thronging him by the thousands. If this man lived in India, the entire world will be coming to India. All the planes are always full. They're adding extra flights to come into India India just to see this man. Then there will be another group of people who are trying to kill him because he is disrupting their, uh, their ability to make money from all the drugs and care that's around uh, people who have cancer. Well, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. Uh, Jesus healed everyone he touched. He raised the dead. He never failed. He evicted devils, dri- drove them out. He spoke with authority. Everyone was marveling at his teachings. And he was he was thronged by tens of thousands of people. Everywhere he went, uh, people, crowds, very large crowds, uh, you know, Sometimes it says 5,000, sometimes it says more, but that's just counting men. It's not counting women and children. So, you know, you could have ten, twenty thousand 20,000 people following Jesus as he goes from city to city. That is amazing to think about. And, uh, well, what's even more amazing is his response to some of them. But uh, this is the result. See, what what was happening when all of those thousands and thousands of people were following Jesus? The, the, world, the world was eagerly waiting the manifestation of the Son of God. And when he showed up, word got around quick because he was uh, successful in everything he did. Because he was a, this is what he said. He said, I am the exact representation of my father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus said these words, he says, Even as my Father sent me, I am sending you. So just as Jesus was the exact representation of the Father, he expects us to be the exact representation of him. So there you go. That should settle it in your mind that we are to grow up into him in all things, uh, in everything that we do. Okay, so what's blocking us? We've got some results. Everybody listening to me, you're born again. <clears throat> You've probably got some results in your life, whether it's healing the sick or provision or, or just living a, with a blessing in your life. Uh, maybe you're, you're uh, witnessing to people, going out on outreach, whatever it is. There is evidence that God is in your life and as there should be. But the world is not waiting eagerly to see a Christian who has some blessing on their life, to see a Christian who has uh, some morals in their life, to see a Christian who heals some people, to see a Christian who tries to raise the dead, (laughs) to see a Christian who sometimes can drive out devils. They are waiting for the manifestation of the glorious sons of God. Or in another translation, it says, for the glory of the sons of God. What is the Have you ever studied that word, glory? Uh, if you look at the root of that word glory, it means to it means to truly manifest something as it is. It means to reveal the true nature of something. So when we talk about God's glory, or uh, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he told Mary, did I not tell you you would see the glory of God today? Uh, what that word glory means in the Greek and its root is that uh, you're going to see the true representation of me. Because what did he say during that story where he raised Lazarus from the dead? He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And then he revealed the truth of it and he called that glory. When he revealed the truth of who he really is, which is the resurrection and the life, then Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, got up. And that is what is in us and that is the problem. It's that we're not revealing, uh, we're not truly revealing what's in us. Um, And this is where most Christians, this is where everyone has the problem. This is the problem, this is the gap. Uh, Most Christians have Christ in them, uh, but he is not being revealed because they're going around wearing a religious mask. They say the right words, they say the right phrases. <clears throat> they know how to dress. They know how to act. They know how to act in a church service. They know how to act around brothers and sisters. But there is no outward explosion of the glory of God that's within them. There is no um, unveiling of the true representation of the one who is in them. So let me get some scripture out and we'll just go, kind of go through this. Um I would recommend that everybody write these scriptures down and study them out. I mean, this is what I do. This is all I do. Um I, I, I do this every day of my life, and I don't I don't let someone else just teach me once a week or once a month. If you're gonna grow in this stuff, if you're gonna get revelation, if you're gonna mature, you're going to have to devote yourself to these things. All right. So I'm gonna read Matthew 16. 18 through 19, and this is uh, in the Wiest translation, uh, which you may not be familiar with what the words I'm going to use, but this is uh, the most literal Greek translation. And this is the part where Jesus tells Peter that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Here's what it says Moreover, as for myself, I also am saying to you, Peter, you are rock. And when, Peter, when Jesus says to Peter, you are rock, um, and then later he says, upon this rock I will build my church, those are two different kinds of rock. Um, in, the, in the Greek, there is uh, masculine and feminine. And when Peter said, you are rock, uh, he, he was more uh, trying to, what he was actually saying is you are a small rock, uh, you, have, you have some truth, you are of the truth. But on this much larger rock, uh, I'm going to build my church. And so this much larger rock is the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. Let me just read it. Moreover, as for myself, I am uh, also am saying to you, you are rock. And upon this massive rock, um, <clears throat> um, I will build my church. Okay? So he's going to build his church, of course. He being the chief cornerstone. God, um, ah, there's so much things I could talk about there. Maybe I'll just stay focused and keep going here. And he says this. This is the part I want to get to. And you're probably familiar with a version that says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Here's what it here's the here's the actual English translation from the from the Greek. It says, and the councils of the unseen world shall not overpower it. The counsels of the unseen world shall not overpower it. What does that tell you about what's happening in the unseen world? This is Jesus' world. (laughs) Jesus' world is the unseen world. This is the world that he comes from. He sees all things that are unseen. And we have to see things that are unseen by faith. And sometimes, you know, we actually see them because of the power of God. But he says, the counsels of the unseen world shall not overpower it. So that right away tells us that there are counsels trying to overpower the world. They're trying to conquer it. Um, And this language, I think, is important because it should remind us of some of the things that Jesus says. That he says, uh, take heart because I have overcome the world. (laughs) Right? So there's counsels of the unseen world trying to overpower this world. Jesus says, take heart. I think this is in uh, 1 John. I could be wrong. Uh, He says, take heart, little ones, because I have overcome the world. All right? Then he says, I shall give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, or, in other words, forbid to be done, shall have already been uh, bound, or forbidden to be done, uh, in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth or whatever you permit to be done shall have already been loosed in heaven or permitted to be done. So Jesus is setting this up as a, uh, as a uh, bit of a his answer to the counsels of the unseen world. Again, I'm going to read that, what you read, a typical translation, Uh, The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Here in uh, Matthew 16, 18. In the Weeks translation, literal Greek, it says, The counsels of the unseen world shall not overpower it. Okay. Well, in America, where we have lots of unbelievers who call themselves Christians, uh, they like to focus on where everybody fails. And they like to then uh, question God's character and question God's word. Well... If the councils of the unseen world are overpowering the church, uh, it's not God's fault because he said that it wouldn't happen. And in Colossians 2.10, like I mentioned earlier, it says that we have been made complete in him. Uh, It's not the devil's fault because God again promises that the councils of the unseen world shall not overpower it. God is literally saying there will never be a time when against my church the councils of the unseen world could ever overcome it or ever overpower it or ever subdue it because Jesus is saying that my church, which is of me, is always going to be over the councils of the unseen world or we could say the gates of hell as you are familiar with reading it. But then he says this really interesting thing here. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven And the keys, uh, which is to bind and to loose, or it gives some description here, uh, it gives you the ability to forbid things and the ability to permit things. This is the secret of overcoming the counsels of the unseen world, all right? Now, again, I'm going to use American as as an example, uh, because, you know, you may or may not have this happening in India, but... This is where I am overcoming the counsels of the unseen world in America. They read this verse and they say, "Oh yes, whatever we bind. So in Jesus name, I bind this and I bind that. And in Jesus name, I permit this and I permit that. And then they go back to their TV show and their uh, remote control and they start watching TV or uh, you know, whatever they do, okay? Now, I am not discounting the power of the spoken word, because everything that we do uh, in faith involves the tongue. It involves the mouth. But it is not just your tongue that counts. It is you taking initiative to uh, forbid things from happening and to permit things to happen, right? So we can't just get this false idea that we can sit back and wait for someone else to solve problems, to wait for someone else to take initiative, to t- wait for someone else to cause things to happen, to wait for someone else to stop things from happening, you have to take personal initiative to go get things done. And you have full permission, and I would go beyond that to say, command from God to go do it. See, Jesus took, uh, he took initiative to see to it that things got done. He went to all the cities in Israel, he went into every region and every part, and he sent his disciples there. He took initiative on purpose to destroy the works of the devil. He took initiative on purpose. To overcome the counsels of the unseen world. And this is uh, going back to that scripture in Luke where uh, he sends the 70 out. When they return, he says, I saw, as you went, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What is he saying? He's, he is saying the same thing. He's saying, as you went, I saw the counsels of the unseen world overpowered. Alright? Now... We're talking about the gap. How do we close the gap? How do we get from where we are, where sometimes we overpower, to where we walk like Jesus, and we always overpower, right? This a, a a man with just some good... Uh, a little good training and, and someone who knows a few Bible verses, they can get some stuff done. They can lay hands on the sick. They can see some people healed. I mean, breathe your first breath of air after you're being born again and you are ready to cast out devils. You are ready to heal the sick. You are ready to raise the dead. But remember how I started this, that there's a difference between uh, positional truth and experiential truth. And the difference is that you have to do the work to bring yourself into the experience of living as a son of God. Manifesting, according to this word glory that we just talked about. The revealing of the true representation of the one who's inside of you. Now, if you're going to close this gap where you see everyone you touch healed and raised from the dead. You're able to walk like Jesus. Which is the point that we can overcome the counsels of the unseen world and set up the righteousness of of the kingdom of God on earth, if that's going to happen in your life, first of all, no one else can do this but you. I can equip you with the truth, but you have to take the work. You have to take initiative and responsibility to do the work. Okay? So, if we're going to be that person, uh, if we're going to be the one who reveals, who allows the revealing of uh, the one that is inside of them, The main problem is that you have two masters, okay? And this goes back to the qualifications of a disciple. I'm not, like this is a, uh, I could do, I could speak for eight or 12 hours on this and just go deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't have eight or 12 hours. I have like 15 minutes, (laughs) okay? Maybe we should do like a really, really long one, Fidel. (laughs) Just like go forever, all right? But listen, Here's the problem. Here's why we fail. Here's why there's a gap in experience between where you are and where Christ is. Uh, It's because you have two masters. And one master who lives inside of you is called Jesus Christ. The other one is called self. And in order for the master to be revealed for the glory of the master, remember what I called glory when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? He said to Mary, did I not tell you you would see the glory of God? And in context, what is he talking about? He's talking about the tr- a true reve- a revealing of who he truly is, of who Jesus truly is. Who is he in that story? He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead, whose body was in there for four days, already starting to decompose. Okay? He manifested Himself truly. Alright? That's called glory. Now, when we see the glory of God in the Old Testament, what is that? That is God manifesting who He truly is. If we read in Revelation, where we see God on the throne, glory and uh, lightning and clouds and peals of thunder and all that, we're getting a a revelation of who He truly is. And that is even why uh, Jesus, the Messiah, appeared as He was. He says, I am truly Uh, A representative of the Father. And as my Father has sent me, I send you again. We must, our calling, this great high calling of God in Christ Jesus is to truly represent Him. So not just in our character, but also in our conduct, in the ability of Jesus Christ. How do we close this gap where our ability falls short? Okay, let's solve this big question. I've got a ton of verses here uh, to tell this story. Uh, And I'm just going to go to one I don't have written down. (laughs) Go figure. So, I'm going to go uh, to Luke 14. Um, Or you can go there if you want. uh, Because I can just quote it and get the point across. But maybe I'll just go there real quick. Uh, Luke chapter 14. I taught this to our uh, group here um, in, uh, in the United States on Wednesday nights. We have a call. Um... And um, and I've been teaching these things because I am pursuing them myself. just a second. So this is Luke 14:26. Oh, that was 13, that's why. Uh, Luke 14:26. Fidel's going to get a double dose because he was on that call too. How do we close the gap? How? Why do we have a gap? Number one, it's because we have two masters. Jesus wants to be master. He wants to be the supreme influence. Let's Let's say it a different way. Jesus wants to be, he wants you to manifest who he truly is through you. That's why he lives in you. That's why what Paul teaches about the mystery of the ages is such a big deal. Because it's the answer and key to everything of God indwelling you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have been purchased with our price, even our bodies, because we have been made the dwelling place of God in the earth. And we collectively together are being built up as a house for God in the world. <coughs> Why? So we can overcome the counsels of the unseen world. But in this scripture, Jesus, I love it because he's so simple and to the point. And I tell you what, the modern church doesn't understand these things. And therefore, they cannot teach it simply. I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach it simply to you. Here's what Jesus says. And this is after a huge crowd follow, begins to follow him. Remember I told you about those crowds? 10, 20,000 people. This is Jesus' response. He says, if anyone wants to come, uh, comes to me uh, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay, what is this cross that Jesus himself bore? What is this cross that he is asking, commanding us to bear? And why do we need to bear this cross? First of all, this cross is uh, the denial of self to be your master. This is the problem. This is the issue. That self is the master. But when Jesus is the master, you see Jesus. When self is the master, you see self. And one day, we can have self be the master. And the, and the next day, Jesus will be more of a master. But we can't. we can't keep having this kind of a, a relationship with Jesus. In fact, he says, if you don't hate yourself you cannot be my disciple. You know, that says a lot. I don't know how many pastors or leaders are willing to teach that these days, but I would ask you, uh, if you have never considered this and never, uh, you know, considered that this is the terms of agreement between a master and disciple, then you may not be his disciple, even though you were in church last Sunday, singing worship songs and feeling his presence. That's not the, Point that the world creation is not groaning, longing, waiting with great expectation for Sunday churchgoers. They are waiting in great expectation for the manifestation of Jesus Christ through the church, the true glory of God, the true representation of Him. You want to know why we are mocked and scoffed at? And I mean, I have there, there are places, people here in my own town that have. Spread lies about me and mock me and continue to do so, undermine what we're doing. When all of my teaching is online, I mean, I'm even going to put this online. There's nothing hidden, everything we do is public. But somehow, <laughs> somehow the enemy has influence over other believers and they're trying to constantly overcome or constantly trying to muddy the waters to keep people from manifesting Jesus Christ truly. So, if the problem is that there's two masters, yourself and Jesus Christ, and they're always butting heads, and as a result, you're only getting some results, what's the answer? Jesus says it clearly. If you want to come after me, and if you want to be my disciple, you must hate, listen to these words, father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, He must hate even his own life, or he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever does not bear his own cross. What is this cross? This cross, again, is the the pushing aside of self. Okay? What does self attract, by the way? It attracts the approval of mothers and fathers. It searches out for the approval of brothers and sisters. It searches out for the approval of husband or wife. It searches out for the approval of men. It also attracts uh, the fear of man. What else does it do? It is subject to the devil. It is subject to the influence of other spirits. Okay, It's subject to the influence of lies. It's subject to the influence of a fallen mindset or the mindset of the flesh. What's Jesus' answer? Kill it. Kill it. This is... What Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross, kill it, kill self, and remove its influence. And when you remove the influence or the master of self, who Jesus is, is truly manifested. And this is the answer to closing the gap. This is the answer to becoming, uh, you know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How did Paul do all the works that he did? Because he actually was a disciple. He actually killed himself every day. That's Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Who is doing the crucifying here? Jesus says you must take up the cross. You must do the crucifixion. He has made the power available to you to crucify your old master your old master whenever your old master is at, is at work and at play your your old man yourself your nature whenever he is ruling Christ is unable to do uh, many mighty miracles except heal a few sick folk <laughs> if you know the bible you hear the spirit of god speaking it says that about jesus in his hometown he wasn't able to do many mighty miracles except heal a few Heal a few sick folk. We see that when we go on outreach sometimes. People come to the door in a wheelchair. (laughs) We announce who we are, what we're doing. We give them testimonies. And they slam the door in our face. Did we fail to heal that person? Nope. Uh, We only did a few. We only didn't do many mighty miracles because they slammed the door in our face. It says that Jesus, they were offended of him. Sometimes they are still offended of him when we find them. But if you want to do mighty miracles beyond a headache, you know, maybe even beyond seeing a foot, a leg being lengthened, which is great. I mean, we cannot discount these things. We see, we see real pain go, and sometimes we see stage four cancer obliterated, and sometimes we don't. But again, when uh, what the world is waiting for is for us to come up like this, come up into. The image of Jesus Christ. Now, when we do that, the truth of Matthew ten sixteen uh, is going to come to pass. And the counsels of the unseen world shall not overpower it. And I want you to begin to imagine. I'm going to quit there. I want you to begin to imagine a world that cannot overcome the church. I want you to begin to imagine a world where we have uh, multiplied thousands of believers who are able to walk as he walked and are able to conduct themselves if he, as he conducted himself. I want you to imagine if, if one Jesus had the effect that he had on the world uh, and just a few apostles, I want you to imagine multiplied thousands of those sons of God in every nation in every nation of the planet, I will tell you what that will look like. It will look like heaven has come on the planet. It will look like the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. But we will never have that day until you and until I do what is required to go from disciple to master. We're, going, we're not staying just a disciple. Or, or let me say this. We're not just staying a beginning disciple. A disciple is one who becomes like the master when he is trained. That's what the Bible says. One who is trained will become like the master. And what is training involved? It's a mature son, right, Fidel. What is this training involved? It includes teaching like this, where you go round and round and you're in the modern Christian church, never really able to find a breakthrough like you know is possible and like the Bible commands us. Now, are we having breakthrough? Heck yes! Absolutely! We are having huge breakthrough. We are having huge impact. We are seeing lots of things happen, but the world isn't waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. You see lots of things happen. They are waiting for the sons of God to be revealed that overcome the counsels of the unseen world. This is the issue, is that we uh, see a few sick folk killed, but the councils of the unseen world still remain in place. This is the issue, that we are unable to see the seat of the councils of the unseen world removed from their dominion. How do we do this? You have got to kill self. Self loves to be approved by mother and father. Self loves to be approved by brother and sister. Self loves to be approved by husband and wife. Self loves to be self gratified. Self satisfied. There's only one cure for the true glory of God to be manifested like Jesus manifested it. It's for self to die. For self to die. To be crucified. And you have the hammer and you have the nail with the power of God to put it to death every single day. This is a whole new way of living. This is a completely different mindset. But when you begin to experience this, this is all you will want. You'll become like a crazy person. You'll become someone, I mean, you should see, everybody, everybody kind of knows Brother James, like, who came with me to India. You should see his family. They have lost their minds about him because he's, he is so different. And they can't figure out what happened to James. James the alcoholic. James the abuser. James the drug abuser. What happened to that guy? He has lost his mind. No, he hasn't lost his mind. He has come into the mind of Christ and lost the influence of self. Lost self that attracts, uh, that, that prevents the true glory of God what's within Him from being manifested. And this is the kind of apostolic teaching and apostolic truth that's missing in the modern church and is being suppressed on purpose "...by the counsels of the unseen world, through the mouths of men, which we also know as uh, traditions of man and doctrines of demons, and unless you begin to take responsibility to forbid them..." Right? Well, we just bind every lie spoken by man. Okay. Say it. And say it all day long. But you put your feet out there and destroy that lie in someone else's mind. Pull down these things. This is what Paul said... We have been given divine, uh, divine weapons to pull down strongholds, and this is uh, uh, this is what Paul was talking about: strongholds in people's minds that block them from the true uh, knowledge of the glory of God. The world is waiting in expectation, as we quote from Romans eight so many times now today, for the true knowledge of God, who uh, is inside of us to be made manifest, all right? They are waiting for the manifestation of what is truly inside of us. And the only thing that is truly blocking that is the uh, complete removal of your old master, the self-life. This is how Jesus walked in what he walked in. This is how he did every miracle. This is how he raised the dead. This is how he spoke revelatory truth and told men what was in their hearts. It's because self was not a hindrance. He had no hindrance to the glory of the God that was within him. And this is the level that it's going to take to overcome the counsels of the unseen world. See, our job, especially the job of the apostolic church, is to replace, to tear down and replace the influence of the councils of the unseen world. In other words, right now, hell is the counsel of the unseen world. The world is being counseled and influenced by hell. What's God's solution? That we, the sons of God, would be the counsels of the unseen world because he has been given all authority where in heaven and on earth. And this is the goal of the kingdom of God according to Ephesians 1, 9, and 10, that all things in heaven and all things on earth would be united in him. How is this going to happen? God's not going to come and just sovereignly begin to do things. He is waiting on us and the world is waiting on us and the world is wanting you to show up, but not you, Christ in you. And we've got to begin to, we've got to, Find leaders who can do this and equip people in it. It's going to be the most, it's the hardest thing and the most drastic thing you could ever do, but it's also the most uh, glorious thing that you could ever experience to begin to live a life where God indwells you and there is no hindrance to Him. I was telling uh, Pastor Amit uh, when we were there. I said when I got started in healing, I didn't know all the. Big facts about healing and teach healing and, you know, six steps to healing, ten steps to deliverance. I just spent time with him. And he, the cloud would fill me. And then I would go lay hands on the sick. And I would just put my hand there and wait. And in just a few seconds, a wind would go through and blow, and, and blow uh, about blow us over. So I just put my hand there. Wham! A wind would come through and people would be healed instantly. Because it says, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Didn't even say that we would have to pray. So, uh, this is the world that the, uh, this is the thing that the world is eagerly expecting from us. Not that we would build great buildings to be admired. You know, that, that we'd have great crowds to prove our validity of our message. But that we would do the very works that he himself did and greater, that the glory of God or the true representation of Jesus Christ would come through us, that it would be no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us.